And I'm going to read some verses to get us going, and then during the sermon I'll be reading some other verses. Exodus 7, 1 to 13, hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the lands of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Let's pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Boxing matches are of different lengths, and they're measured by rounds, often three-minute rounds. Uh, and uh, it, Olympic boxing, I think, is a, a three rounds of three minutes, something like that. And then you go up to professional boxing, and there's collegiate boxing and so on, and and they're different lengths, uh, measured by how many rounds. And a championship boxing match goes up to 12 rounds. It used to be 15 rounds, but because of a death in the ring or after the ring, they reduced it uh, because of the, the danger of going all the way to 15 rounds. But 12 rounds is a, is a long, it's the longest uh, boxing match. But a 10-round boxing match is considered to be a professional-grade boxing match, and it's a very long and dangerous uh, boxing match. Now, what we have here in Exodus chapters 7 to uh, to 12 is a 10-round boxing match, a 10-round boxing match. And some scholars think that this match lasted for about six months. We read about these these uh, these different rounds of this match, and they're compressed here, but they, they seem to have gone on for a while. We have a measure of the first one that it lasted for seven days, and so it doesn't say how long the other ones lasted, but it was quite a, a long boxing match. And it wasn't merely sparring between, on the one hand, Moses and Aaron, and on the other hand, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They were representative. The, the, the real contestants in this, this, this match are Yahweh, the God who has introduced himself to his people under this, this new name, the God who is, on one side, represented by Aaron and Moses, and then on the other side, we have Pharaoh, who is not just a, an individual, but he is, in the eyes of the Egyptians, he himself is a God, he is divine, and he represents the host of all the many, many gods of the Egyptians. So we are justified in seeing this as a fight. Do you remember back when Moses made his first failed attempt to liberate the people? 
He went and he found an Egyptian abusing a uh, Hebrew. And what did he do? He struck the Egyptian. So he punched, he hit the Egyptian and he, he ended up killing the Egyptian. And then we find that God says he is going to use that same word. He is going to strike. And you will hear throughout this narrative that God says, I will strike, I will punch, I will hit. So this is this is this is language of a, an actual fight here. Now, what I'm going to do is provide some commentary so you can look at me something like the the announcer of the, the boxing match. And I'm going to provide some pre-fight commentary. And then I'm going to provide some commentary between each round. And that's, if you watched a boxing match, there, there is that sort of thing that goes on. There's a, what to look for in the boxing match and in this corner and in that corner. And, and this is what you will find happening. And these are the strengths here and these are the weaknesses there. And then between each one, did you see that and look for this coming and so on and how they're adjusting. So I will be something like that announcer. Now, anyone announcing this fight, and anyone anticipating this 10-round fight, we're going to see nine rounds today of this fight and leave the last one for next week. But anyone anticipating this fight would anticipate a very, very short fight. They would never expect this fight to go nine rounds or 10 rounds. Why? Because in one corner, we have two old men. One is 80 and one is 83. And they are representing this newly identified, newly revealed God of the slaves. That's the one who's in one corner. And in the other corner is the divine Pharaoh representing all of the gods and the magicians of the reigning superpower of the world. So place your bets, folks. Where are you going to place your bets? Anyone looking at this would say, this is going to be ugly. This is going to be over very, very fast. Now, let me prepare you for this fight and tell you what to look for. Well, we actually saw what to look for in chapter 7, verses 1 to 13. Moses finally used, God had given him three signs. Do you remember? When Robbie preached, there were three signs that he was given, and he finally pulled out one of those signs. And one of those signs is, throw down your staff, and it will become what? It will become a snake, a serpent. Well, one of the emblems of Egypt, one of the symbols of the divinity, the godlike character of Pharaoh was the cobra. And so this is not some sort of, some sort of uh, arbitrary uh, thing that this, this, this staff became. It's throw down, throw down your, your staff and it will become a snake. And then the magicians, by whatever means, trickery or, or some sort of demonic art, they were able to do the same thing. And then Aaron's snake, Aaron's staff, gobbled up theirs. What's going on here? Game on. This is, this is right in the face of the gods of Egypt. This was a frontal challenge to the gods of Egypt. This was a strike against the gods of Egypt. The first, uh, first one was the, the cobra god. Now, the first nine rounds are grouped into three rounds of three. And we, we see this repeating pattern. And, and in each of these rounds of three, the first one of the, the round says, Moses and Aaron, God says, go in the morning, go in the morning. So in the first and in the fourth and in the seventh rounds, go in the morning. And that starts a new round. 
And then in the second of the three rounds, the second, the fifth, and the eighth rounds, he simply says, go. Doesn't say when, just go. And then in the third, that is the third, the sixth, and the ninth, have I confused you with all the numbers, but uh, the third, the sixth, and the ninth rounds, there's no warning. There's no go and say. It's just do it. And it brings the next strike. Now you will notice that there is a great deal of repetition of many words, like the idea strike, stretch out your hand. There is this idea of heaviness or hardness. Sometimes the heart of Pharaoh is is called hard. Sometimes it's called heavy or strong or firm. Uh, There is this, this continued use of the verb to send. There is the idea of knowing the Lord, knowing the Lord. And then there is this repeated, let them go, didn't let them go, let them go. And you will find this over and over, these repeated phrases. For example, God made Pharaoh's heart it's usually translated hard, but it's, it's one of the ways it says it. God made Pharaoh's heart heavy, and then Pharaoh made his own heart heavy. And then Pharaoh's heart was simply described as heavy. And then God brought down heavy strikes or blows on Pharaoh and on Egypt. There's this repetition, this heaviness. Also, Yahweh sent Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh. He sent these blows on Egypt. Pharaoh sent for Moses. Pharaoh sent messengers to investigate what happened with his his kingdom. And the demand was that Pharaoh do what? Send God's people out of Egypt. So a great deal of repetition. And the purpose of all of these strikes, all of these blows, was so that everyone would know the Lord. Know the Lord. Do you remember back when first Pharaoh uh, encountered Moses and Aaron? And they, they didn't do, uh, they said the things that, that, that God told them to say, but then they added to it, it looks like, and they didn't use the signs that God had given them to do. And what was Pharaoh's response? I do not what? I don't know the Lord. I don't know the Lord. Well, guess what? He's going to know the Lord. So, round one, verses 14 to 25 of chapter 7, round 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is heavy, hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die. The Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, their canals, their ponds, all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in the vessels of wood and in the vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile. And all the water in the Nile turned into blood and the fish in the Nile died and the Nile 
Nile stank so that the Egyptians could not drink from the water of the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt, but the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh remained hardened, and he would not listen to them. As the Lord had said, Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take this even to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. Well, in Egypt, the Nile was the source of life for the whole country. And it was also the manifestation of the god called Hapi. So this first round, who climbs into the ring with Yahweh? Yahweh's in the ring. The god of the slaves is in the ring. And then the great god of the Nile crawls into the ring as well. And he's assisted by all these magicians. Where we read about round one. And round one will have to give to Yahweh. But Pharaoh's still standing. Round two's coming up. The fertility goddess Heket was portrayed as a human with a frog's head. So she's the, the frog goddess. And next she gets into the ring and the magicians are still in the ring. Round two. Chapter 8, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all them. Uh, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and on your people and into your ovens and onto your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, over the pools, make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I shall plead for you for your servants and for your people, that the frogs may be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, tomorrow, Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and Pharaoh cried to the Lord about the frogs. As he had agreed with Pharaoh and the Lord did according to the word of Moses, the frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards and the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, made strong his heart and would not lessen to them as the Lord had said. Round two, Moses versus frog goddess and the Egyptians. We give round two once again to Yahweh, but Pharaoh continues to stand and stays in the fight. Now, in the first two rounds, we had the two gods or goddesses, and we also had the magicians. Now, the magicians, interestingly, what did they do? They made things worse. You see, they couldn't, they couldn't stop the plagues. They made more of them. So the plague was blood, and then what did they do? More blood. The plague was frogs, and what did they do? More frogs. And so they actually made things worse, but they did show some sort of power. And so the next round, round three, 
takes these magicians on, they still seem to be in the ring, even though the god of the Nile and the goddess of the frogs have been tossed out of the ring. Plague 3, verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast, and the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. There were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Yahweh run one round three as well, but Pharaoh stayed in the fight. That's the first three rounds. The first cycle. And then we get to the next three rounds. And in the first of the next three rounds, it's not clear that there's a specific Egyptian god in view. But in this round, we have the first time that there is an explicit difference made between the people of Egypt and the people of the Hebrews. And we'll see that repeated later. Round four, beginning in verse 20. Chapter 8, then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning. Here's the next cycle. Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that no swarms of flies shall be there that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth then I will put a division between my people and your people tomorrow this sign shall happen and the Lord did so there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants houses throughout all the land of Egypt the land was ruined by the swarms of flies then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said go sacrifice to your God within the land But Moses said it would not be right to do so for the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, behold, I am going out from you. And I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people tomorrow. Only let Pharaoh not cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Round four, Yahweh wins again, but Pharaoh remains in the contest. Round five, many Egyptian gods were manifest in different forms of livestock animals. All the different livestock animals represented some sort of god of the Egyptians. And now all these different gods gang up and pile into the ring together of these various livestock animals. So here we have Yahweh versus livestock gods, chapter 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. 
For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. The next day the Lord did this thing, and the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, heavy, and he did not let the people go. Round five, Yahweh versus livestock gods. Yahweh wins the round, but Pharaoh continues the fight. Round six, this is the last mention of the Egyptians. The Egyptians seem to be, the, rather the magicians, seem to be hanging around and doing all they can to help their, their gods to, to stay in the fight. But this is the last mention of them. And here we have Yahweh versus the magicians once again. Chapter 9, verse 8. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it into the air and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Round six, Yahweh versus the magicians again. Yahweh wins, but Pharaoh remains in the fight for the last cycle of three rounds. Newt was the goddess of the sky. Shu was the god who held up the sky. And Telnut was the goddess of moisture. And here they all pile into the ring together. We have the gods and the goddesses of the sky. And they are gathering up against Yahweh. Chapter 9. Verse 13, then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early. Here's the the last cycle. Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on yourself and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. By now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt. 1800 years, by the way, the the empire of Egypt, never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, therefore, send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the Lord, the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. 
Then Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire ran down to the earth, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck down everything that was in the field and in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, there was no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. The flax and the barley were struck down for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud, but the wheat and the emmer were not struck down for they are late in coming up. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to the Lord and the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, made heavy his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was strengthened, was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Yahweh versus the sky gods and goddesses. Yahweh wins wins round seven, but Pharaoh remains fighting. Senechem was the Egyptian god in charge of protecting the nation from pests. So this is the pest control god. He keeps the pests away. And it was his turn to enter the ring. Yahweh versus pest god. Round eight. Chapter 10, then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I have made heavy, I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land. They shall eat what is left to you after the hail and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field and they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. And he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But which ones are to go? Moses said, We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. But he said to them, The Lord be with you if I let you and your little ones go. Look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go, the men among you, and serve the Lord, for that is what you are asking. And they were driven out from Moses' presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land all the hail, all that the hail has left. 
So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land. That day, all that day and all that night, when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts as had never before seen, been seen, nor ever will be again. They covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened, and they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the people of Israel go. Yahweh versus the pest God. Round eight goes to Yahweh. But Pharaoh, stumbling some, but remains in the fight. Amon Ra. Amon Ra. He was the God of the sun. He was the chief God. He was the strongest God. And finally, after all of these other gods and goddesses and magicians have been unceremoniously tossed out of the ring, now the heavyweight champion of Egypt steps into the ring. The God of the sun. Chapter 10, verse 21. Yahweh versus sun God. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord your, your little ones, and also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take of them to serve the Lord our God. For we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses said, as you say, I will not see your face again. Round nine. Yahweh versus sun God goes to Yahweh. All nine rounds up to this point have gone to Yahweh. He's won them all. There's one more round to go. But you know, even after winning nine rounds, you can still lose a fight. You can win nine rounds. And be the better fighter in nine rounds. But if there is a knockout punch by the opponent in round 10, you lose the fight. And so there is one more round to go. And the decision of this, this fight is not yet, yet, not yet decided. But what we have in chapter 11 is Yahweh's plan for the knockout punch. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more. I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. 
When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again, but not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel, and all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. Now we know what Yahweh was planning for his attempt at a knockout punch. But he had already said this back in chapter 4. He had said, go tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. If you will not let my firstborn go, I will take your firstborn. And when that last blow would fall, the prediction was that the Egyptians would cry out. This is not the first time we've heard somebody crying out, have we? We've heard the Israelites crying out generation after generation for salvation. We've heard Moses and Aaron crying out to the Lord. But now he says the tables will be turned. It will be on your firstborn, not not any longer on the firstborn of my people to be thrown into the Nile or my firstborn who is Israel. They will no longer be your slaves, but it will be your firstborn firstborn, and it will be your, your turn to cry out. Pharaoh, well, we'll get to chapter to to round 10 next week. But, but for now we can say that Pharaoh and the Egyptians, the magicians, and even the gods of Egypt, they ended up knowing the Lord. But Pharaoh had boasted, I don't know the Lord. After nine rounds of going toe to toe, Pharaoh knew the Lord. But tragically, the only thing he was learning about the Lord was his power and his justice and his judgment and his anger. And so, in a sense, he knew the Lord. But he didn't know everything he needed to know about the Lord. And we find a problem here with these nine rounds. And it's this. If the only thing you know about the Lord is his power and justice and judgment and anger against unrighteousness, you don't yet know what you need to know to know the Lord. Because while... Judgment is necessary because God is just. He cannot deny his own justice. There is a problem 
with judgment in and of itself, and that is this, it doesn't change our hearts. It doesn't change our hearts. That's what we see time and time again. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He would not give way. And when we go to Revelation chapter 16, we find that Pharaoh was not unique. In Revelation chapter 16, we already read it. I'm not going to reread it, but we find a repetition here of plague of hail and plague of blood and plague of, 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 uh, of, of frogs and plague of darkness. We, we, we find the repetition of these plagues and these plagues are brought on all of humanity. And what's the response of all of humanity? To harden our hearts. To curse the Lord. And not to turn from our evil deeds. You see, judgment in itself will not change anybody's hearts. And so what do we need to know in addition to judgment? We need to know the Lord's mercy. We need to know the Lord's love. We need to know the Lord's kindness. And next week, in the last round, we will learn about heavy judgment. The heaviest of all. But we will also learn about the heaviest of all mercies. And the amazing thing is that God brings His mercy to bear through judgment because He cannot deny Himself. He cannot overlook His own just requirements. He must bring judgment in order to provide mercy. I don't want to get too far ahead of the story or take away the the thunder from next week's chapter. But I don't think it will come as any surprise to you that God brought His mercy to us by bringing justice on someone else. And that someone else was His firstborn. You see, the firstborn took God's justice so that we could have His mercy. And this is, this is what's offered to us today. This is what's offered to all human beings throughout all the earth. It's the choice. God is just. God is merciful. You're a sinner. And you can have one or the other. You may, if you choose, like Pharaoh and so many countless others, You may choose to go toe-to-toe with God and to say, I'll take it on the chin. I'll take what I deserve. And you can receive His justice if you want. Or you could believe in Jesus, the one who took God's judgment, who received God's justice in Himself. And you can be a recipient of mercy. These are the two options always laid before us, judgment or mercy. And the invitation, the command, the plea, choose mercy. Christ has come. He has been judged for all who trust in Him. And so, choose mercy. Let's pray. Oh God, on the one hand, as we go through these these first nine rounds, we rejoice at your power. 
We rejoice to see the, the gods and goddesses and the magicians of Egypt humbled and tossed out of the ring. We see your power, your majesty. We see that you're the only one who reigns. And yet at the same time, we don't rejoice in the destruction of anyone. We don't rejoice in the judgment of anyone, Lord. And we recognize, even as we see the hardness of Pharaoh's heart, we see a picture of our own hearts and how hard we have been and how hard we can be. Oh, God. And so we, we plead for mercy, but we do so knowing that you provide mercy to all who are in Christ. So I pray for all of us today, those of us who are here, those who are hearing this in some other way, or hearing this message preached from countless pulpits today, that you would move in our hearts to choose mercy through Jesus Christ, the one who was struck down for us. And we pray in his name. Amen.